0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. It's great to know that I'm here not as a visiting speaker, but that Beacon Church now here in Brixton, you're part of the family of Regions Beyond. So we're brothers and sisters together in a family, and that's what has been happening in Owen's life. This week he's been out in Clarence, out in South Africa, and he's been discovering more of the family that God has joined us to. And I think it's wonderful. And I sense this morning, as Owen was speaking, that this is like a, a morning of fresh beginnings, don't you? I think you've come back, Owen, with a sense of there's a new doors opening for you, a new sense of identity. And I, I believe as you're coming into this family of regions Beyond and what we're going to share together in the months and the years ahead as a family of churches across the world, in a sense you're at the start of an amazing journey and uh, it's great to be with you and to get to know you and i'm hoping that we're going to see much more of each other as various things happen in the years ahead across london and across this nation and indeed across the world but i've been hearing about you we've been praying for you you don't know this we've been praying for this church for about a year hearing about your brixton church about beacon church then we met owen and owen came to one of our congregations in downham where he knows very well then we had a meal together didn't we and uh, we heard all about Pauline's dietary requirements. And <laughs> Anybody here have Pauline to dinner? It's an absolute nightmare, isn't it? I thought, well, give her a bowl of water. She'd be happy. And uh, But one of the things that I've been asked to speak about this morning is, in a sense, coming back to basics, because I want to remind you this morning of just what God is doing here in your church that you are so important in God's purposes. The thing I want to talk about this morning is the Church of Jesus Christ, the calling that he's placed upon our lives. And I think after just hearing Owen speak then, I think it would be good to get round Owen after I've ministered, don't you? Pray for this guy, pray for him and Pauline, and pray for one another in this room, because if this is the beginning, then let's ask for a fresh anointing this morning. That would be really wonderful, wouldn't it? I'm just going to pray before we start. Father, it's great to be here this morning to be together in your presence, to know your spirit moving among us as we've sung these songs of worship, we made these declarations that you are so dependable that we can lean upon you in every aspect of our lives. Lord, this is a, a wonderful place to be this morning. And I pray, Lord, as we turn to the eternal truths about your people, about what it means to be part of your church, that you would infuse us again with a fresh vision of what we can achieve together, of where you're taking us, of the plans that you have for us as your people, as this local church right here in Brixton, Lord God, that you're raising up a people here, a community that's going to change this community around us. And I pray, Lord God, that you release faith in this room now, in Jesus' name. Okay, has anybody heard of the Nicene Creed? Raising your hands. Okay, 325 AD, and this creed contains the following statement about the local church. We believe in one, holy, Catholic, apostolic church. And in that one statement, you could almost say there's a vision for what we are trying to build here in Brixton and what we're trying to build there in Bromley where we are. This, church, this statement contains four key things about what you are as a church. First, it says that the church, Beacon Church, should be one, united. God's gathered us together and it's the Holy Spirit that brings us together and unites us. So we're one. also says we're holy, that we're to be a distinctive people across the world. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful night. And that's what we are. We're called to be distinctive. We're called to be different. We're united and we're holy, and then it says Catholic. And when we think of the word Catholic, we sometimes think about Roman Catholic, we think of the Catholic Church. The word Catholic means inclusive. It means that the Church of Jesus Christ is to be the word that's already been used this morning. Diverse people from every different background coming together, different ethnicities, different ages, different backgrounds, different education, different status. But it's a unity that crosses every boundary of society. One holy Catholic, and then it says apostolic church. What does it mean when it says apostolic church? It means that we have a mandate based upon the teaching of the apostles that we find in the New Testament. It says in Acts chapter 2 that that early church devoted themselves to many things and one of the things they devoted themselves to was the apostles teaching and now we have that apostles teaching enshrined in the New Testament that God has given us and we need to be a people totally based upon the word of God. So there's a Brief description of what we're building here, what you're building here in Brixton. One holy, Catholic, apostolic church. And I think it's so sad that when we look around the UK today and many Western situations where churches meet like this, that many people I meet, even people who said, I was a Christian, I used to go to church, but you know, I've fallen away from the church, that people are losing their faith in the church that is so important to Jesus. And they're losing their awareness and their understanding of the importance of the local church in the purposes of God. And people are forgetting, even Christians, even evangelical Christians, that we are called to be a people. That God's plan for every one of his churches, that we are to be a new society, that we're to be living in a new way, that the world can see something distinctive about us. Something he's called us to be, that we have been set apart. You have been set apart in Brixton to be united, to be distinctive, to be inclusive, and to be apostolic. And sometimes we can even think of our own church as something quite small, really, compared to all the really important and big things going on around us. You know, when you think about all the things you turn the TV on, it's all about Europe, it's about the United Nations, and there is mighty corporations. And sometimes we can think about our local church. You might sometimes think, well, Beacon Church, Brixton, what's that compared to these big issues that I'm reading about in the newspapers, the political situation at large? And actually, I want to remind you this morning that there is nothing more important on planet Earth than the Church of Jesus Christ, and that includes this church. The... As far as God is concerned, most important thing in Brixton today is his church. And that means that Brixton has several churches in it, I guess. But each one of those local communities of believers, that is God's agenda for the world. You are the most important thing in Brixton. doesn't matter what other people are looking to, doesn't matter what other people are thinking about. Your church here is the most important thing on God's heart for Brixton. And we need to remember that it's always the church and every local expression of the church that Jesus primarily identifies with and he saw as his great purpose in the earth. Jesus had a mission statement. Now, it's good to have a mission statement, isn't it? Has this church got a mission statement? What is it? Ah! Ask <laughs> <What's> going? <laughs> going? I mean, what's your mission statement? Build to build the church. Yeah. The glory of God. Build the church to the glory of God and serve the community. You all knew that, didn't you? That's your mission statement. And Jesus had a mission statement. Someone he stood up once and he said, "Here's my mission statement, guys. Never forget this. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it." Jesus had a mission statement, and his mission into coming into this world was not to save million millions of little individuals all on their way to heaven. He came to build his church. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it tells us, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As Jesus hung on that cross, as he gave himself up and took our sin upon his shoulders, there was a vision in front of him and it was this, what you are together. It was the church that was going to go through the centuries and spread across the world and be a shining beacon to what God was like. And in Acts chapter 9, where Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus. And there he's going to destroy the church like he tried to do in Jerusalem. He had an encounter with Jesus. And in that passage, we see that Jesus was so wrapped up in his church that when he confronts Saul on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's just how much Jesus identifies with his church that's how much jesus identifies with what we are together in this place and as you go through the new testament it's all about the church over and over again not simply saving individuals not about some great universal church that we know about it's about what we are together that was what's on god's heart paul's prayers were for churches Paul's letters in the main are, are for churches or in pe- involved in people who are leading churches. His heart and his concern were for churches. Paul even describes his greatest ever sin as being the one who persecuted the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9, he says this, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because, and you can almost hear the tremble in his voice as he's about to make this next statement, because I am, persecuted the church of God. And then you come to the book of Revelation. Anybody read the book of Revelation recently? So many Christians are a bit nervous of the book of Revelation. But in actual fact, all it is, is the veil being torn back so we can see the spiritual realities that are going on all around us in this world. But before Jesus unveils this incredible tapestry of what's going on, the battle between good and evil, the way his church is being lifted up and exalted, before he even gets there... Jesus takes John aside and he says, I've got seven messages for what? Seven local churches. To the church in Thyatira, tell them this. To the church in Philadelphia, tell them this. To the church in Ephesus, tell them this. Why does Jesus do that? Because Jesus' mission was to build the church and Jesus didn't do that as some amorphous mass spreading across the world. He cares And he has a plan and he has a purpose and he has an opinion and he has a message for every single local church in the world. He knew all about Ephesus, he knew all about Philadelphia, he knew all about Thyatira and the others. And that means that Jesus is very interested in Beacon Church. Did you know that? He cares about you. He has opinions about you. He wants to speak to you and guide you by the prophetic voice that he's going to release among you. It's very important because he cares. So I guess if we were in heaven today, sitting at the sitting there and talking to Jesus in person, I could say to him, what do you think of Beacon Church in Brixton? And he'd be able to tell me. Wouldn't that be exciting, Owen? I mean. <laughs> Why? Because God's one great purpose in this age and in the ages to come all comes down to one thing, the church. This church and all the other churches scattered across the face of the earth. God's great plan for humanity has always been not missionary societies, not individual people coming to salvation. It's been his church. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, we read this, tells us what God's plan was. His intent was that now, when? When? Now. Now. So this includes us right here today, doesn't it? God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. That was always his plan. Even as he began to create the universe and the cosmos, even as Adam and Eve were created, God had a plan in front of him that one day the church would arise, his people, and his wisdom would be name, known to every spiritual power, principality across the nations. And this world is going somewhere. <laughs> I was listening to a, a radio program in the week and it was saying, the, who knows where this world's going? I thought, I won't, should I ring in and tell them? <laughs> One day, God's mission will be complete because one day, the church will be whole and complete. Ephesians 4 tells us that. One day, think about this, one day, the last person destined to be saved will give their life to Jesus and the church will be complete for eternity. You ever thought about that? Romans 11 tells us that will happen. And one day, we know the Lord's going to return and live among his chosen people for the rest of eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. That's exciting, isn't it? This was a Pentecostal church. I guess some of you <laughs> might even say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. else? <laughs> this the church, what we are together, what God is doing among you, this is God's great plan being worked out. This is what it was always about as God created the world. This is always what He had in mind. This is the point of everything that we see around us. There's one statement in the Bible that comes up again and again and again. And when God says something once, I think it's best to listen, don't you? When God says something twice, well, it could be fairly important. If he says it three times, you know it's really important. But what about something God says six times in both of the Testaments? And here's the big statement of the Bible, in my opinion. I will be your God, and you will be my private individuals. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Exodus 6, verse 7. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Leviticus 26, verse 12. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Jeremiah 11, verse 4. I will be your God and you will be my people. Ezra, 36, verse 28. You say it to me because I'm fed up with talking. I will be your God you will be my Well done. You sound just like a bunch of Anglicans. <laughs> <laughs> 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. I will be your God and you will be my people. Revelation 21, verse 7, right there at the end. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And we're going to hear that right at the very last trump as the new creation comes into being. And you are that people, folks. The church is that people. In the Old Testament, that gathered people was called the kahal. In the New Testament, the Greek word is the ecclesia, those gathered together, the gathered people of God. And I truly believe that the church is so important that we need to start celebrating what the church really is. And that the time has come for Christians across the nations to begin to have a fresh sense of identity of who we really are and what the church is really about. That you're not just a group of people who just met each other one day and thought, oh well, yeah, I'll throw my lot in with Owen, he's like a nice bloke. This is something that was always God's intention to change the world. You are so important. What God is doing among you is so important. Let me tell you what I believe about Beacon Church, Brixton. Okay? It's only my opinion, so you can reject it if you want. But this is what I believe about you. I believe that none of you are in this place and part of this church by accident. I believe that your presence here and your being part of this church is part of God's eternal design. I believe that God's plan, even before he formed one star, has always been that you, as a church, should know one another. It was a destiny that even as you were formed in your mother's womb, you were moving towards a destiny where you would know the other people in this room. and that you would love one another and you would serve him together and he would have a plan for you together. I believe that back in the depths of eternity, God made a decision about this church. When did Beacon Church come into being? 11 years ago. ago. So what date was that? Where are we now? 2018, 2007. Yeah, planted in 2007. That date was written down and decided that Beacon Church would come into being I believe it was in God's heart before Adam and Eve stood on the planet what do you think about that you think I'm going over the top here do you believe that I believe that God chose each one of you personally in fact Ephesians 2 tells me that you were chosen before the foundation of the earth to be holy and plainly in his sight God didn't just choose each of you to be saved When he chose you, he decided to join you with all the other people in this room that he'd already elected to save as well. That you had no choice about this in one sense, that one day you were going to know each other and serve him together and serve his son together. And I believe, consequently, that as that is God's great purpose for your life and this church, that this really is the most important thing on planet Earth at this moment, what you are together. And I believe that the moment a person gets saved, the moment they're born again, that they get caught up in the most exciting thing on planet Earth. So how can it be that so many people, you say, do you go to church? No, I've got better things to do in my life. How boring is it there? No, 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 go to church, because that's the most exciting thing you can ever be involved in. That's the most exciting thing in history, the Church of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us, that all of God's plans, everything he ever intended to do is wrapped up in his church, nothing else. And I believe that God's plan has always been that through us, through you, through your love for one another, through your commitment to one another, through your service together, your mission together, your lifestyle together, your attitudes towards one another, your actions as a body of believer, that through this, that now, through this, what you are together together, God's wisdom, God's grace, God's mercy, his power, his authority, his patience, his care should be made known. That's why Beacon Church exists, to make God's person known. For thousands of years, that was kept a secret there was going to be a group of people who would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live like that. And then when Jesus came and died on the cross and dealt with our sin and declared us righteous in the sight of God and included us in Jesus Christ as his people, then it was possible for this magnificent plan to emerge. And that's what the apostles gave themselves to preaching all around the world. Come and be a part of this. This is what you've been called to be. Isn't that a wonderful calling? Does that excite you? Some I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's me. Maybe, maybe I'm having an off day. I'm trying to encourage you a little bit here. Now, I don't know if you've all seen this booklet. Yeah? You all had a copy of this? Yeah. Yes, it's been given out and it's on the chair now. So this is Regents Beyond. This is, we sat down a little while ago and we came up with our values. The 11 things that were really important to us as a family of churches, okay? And there's not much in it. What? Because we thought we don't want some big theological statement. When people say, what is regions Beyond about? We don't want to give them a book that says, "Now read this, study it, and there'll be questions later. Just go to Beacon Church, Brixton, and you'll understand the whole thing. But we put down some headlines here, and I'm preaching really on number 10. So at the back of the book it says, as a people, as a family of churches, we celebrate what I'm talking about. We celebrate the centrality of the local church. And it goes on to say, we have a high view of church because it is central to God's eternal purpose. This is expressed in each member's devotion to prayer, worship, and service in their local church. What we're trying to get across here is this, that without the church, without strong passionate, cohesive local churches possessing a really strong and emphatic sense of their identity, knowing why they exist and living it out. Unless we have that, we've totally missed God's purpose in Jesus coming into this world. Big statement, isn't it? And every Christian needs to know why they have been called to join a local church. And every church needs to teach these things and emphasize these things until you prick any Christian in every church, it will come out. I know what my destiny is, is to be part of God's people, to be a member of a local church, and to be shining for Jesus. Ephesians chapter two, verse fourteen to twenty two. I'm going to read you some verses. That has already been referred to by Aaron about the diversity. Because I believe this is what is central. So, what we're trying to do together now across the world, where people are forgetting how important the church is, what God's doing, that we're saying belonging and commitment to a local body is so important. For Jesus Himself is our peace, Ephesians 2:14. Jesus Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. That's what we are. Right in the middle of Brixton, there's a new humanity emerging. Isn't that amazing? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in that one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And originally, of course, that was read in terms of Jews and Gentiles. Now it's being understood by us all as every single ethnic group across the planet being joined together as one people. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. (coughs) Great truth. But like all biblical truths, there's a consequence. You don't just leave it there and say, oh yeah, I understand that. There's a consequence for our lives. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, and in him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. That's the agenda for Beacon Church. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So, if people want to meet with God, they no longer try and find a temple in Jerusalem or find some building somewhere. They come and find a community of people saved by the blood of Jesus, joined together. This is the temple. And as people come amongst you, they say, Yes, this is where I can find God. And I love that passage. Every time we bring people into membership at Hope Church, we read that passage over and over again. I think my people are sick of hearing it, but I don't mind because this is what we're about building a living temple made up of people who are living stones. And as they come together as a group, God is there in the midst. and God is discoverable there. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And I believe the Bible clearly teaches that that's what we've been chosen for, to be part of that living body. And unless you're part of such a body, unless you're part of such a church, unless you're part of such community, you can't truly be a disciple of Jesus. How about that? Because Jesus said, "There's only one way that people are going to know that you are my disciples. Not that you stand on street corners and preach very loudly. Not that you do this, that or the other. not that you read the Bible every morning, not that you watch the God channel and you subscribe to whoever it is out there at the moment. This is how people are going to know you're my disciples. People will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Very hard to love one another when you're on your own. <laughs> it only works in this context over people who've given themselves to one another. And this is how the world will know that Jesus is alive, that Jesus died for their sins, because there's a community that display his love to one another. And there's only one explanation to explain Beacon Church. It's Jesus. It's when people see what you are together and come amongst you that they're going to realize the truth. And I believe it's a commitment to the lifestyle of love that is what Jesus wants to see in every church. And what does that love look like? Where would you turn in the Bible for a description of what that love should look like? 1 Corinthians 13. I meet mean, some people, they think that 1 Corinthians 13 was very kindly given to us for weddings. <laughs> What I going to preach on a wedding? What reading would you like at your wedding? 1 Corinthians 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is two things. It's a description of what God is like, and it's a description of what He wants His church to be like. A place where you. What is it? What's different about these people? How do they do this? How are they so patient to each other? How are they kind to each other? How are they so generous to each other? How, why are they so humble? Why aren't they rude to one another like we are down the pub? Why aren't they having all these silly jokes that pull people down? Why aren't they self-righteous? Why aren't they easily angered? Why don't they hold grudges? How come they're so committed to protecting one another, trusting one another, persevering with each other even when they get up each other's noses and someone has a bad hair day? How is this possible? Because they're filled with the love of God, because they've given their lives to Jesus and they're a new society and they're a beacon to what God is. And that's the reason we're here. That's the reason Beacon Church exists, to display that in Brixton. So people could say, I see that. Now, I'm going to panic you now, but don't worry. I'm going to give you ten things, very briefly, (laughs) that every person who comes and joins you needs to know about the Church of Jesus Christ. Ten things that every one of you in this room needs to know why Beacon Church exists and what it's for. Are you ready? You with me? Making notes? No. (laughs) Recorded, is it? <laughs> oh, if I know not to order a water suit. <laughs> One, you need to know this: that as I've already said, you have been gathered together by design. You have been chosen to be together. Your salvation was for a purpose, not just about an individual private relationship with God. Your salvation was to you might be part of this body. The body of Christ. And we need to be clear to everybody who wants to join this church that the Christian life can only be understood and is explained in the Bible as a community. It's a pity that the word you in English is plural and singular. If it had two different expressions, as we read through the New Testament, it's not all about you. What the Americans say, you ever heard this phrase, you all? Yeah, see it in the movie, you all. That's what Paul and the others are saying. You all. He's talking to us as a group when he comes to these things. As far as the apostles were concerned, to be a Christian and to be a part of a church was synonymous. So when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, to the church in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, as far as he was concerned, the two are synonymous. Church is not... Surprise, surprise, an optional extras to the Christian life. It's an essential part. Church is not somewhere you go when you haven't got anything else to do. It's not a meeting on a Sunday, a meeting on a Wednesday if you're truly committed. And if you're really, really on fire for Jesus, you might even go to the prayer meeting once a year. It's about what we are together. Every local church is carefully designed. You've been chosen to be together. And I would say this, when you're saved, you don't add church to your life. Does it us, what does it tell us in Acts? When you're saved, you're added to the church. Number two, you need to know that not only have you been gathered together by design, by God's purpose, you've been gathered together to work as a team. Yeah? This is team beacon. Not just community beacon. And it's about body ministry. There's, there should be no hierarchy in the church. That's one of the... Things about regions beyond that I've discovered I really love as I've been part of it for the last three years. No one's more important than anybody else. No church is more important than anybody else. Because there's a church of 500 in one place doesn't mean they're more important than the church of 30 in another place. We're here together to function together, to serve together. Now some people do have different gifts. Some people have an anointing to be government in the church but that doesn't make them more important than anybody else in the church. Every one of you is absolutely essential for God's plan to be worked out in Beacon Church. Three, we need to know that God has given each one of us in this room, everyone in Beacon Church, unique gifts so that you can fully participate in the purpose of which God's created this church. There's not one person in this room who doesn't have something to contribute that God has given you personally as your ministry to make this work. And four, number four, no, I'll go back a bit. As I go around the churches, there is still a stronghold in evangelical, charismatic Christianity in this world today, particularly in the West, and it's got to be broken. And that stronghold is individualism. shouldn't be there in the church at all. And even when we talk to people, you know, there's even little diagrams. You know, what is my ministry? How will my ministry work out? Your ministry can't be worked out unless it's in conjunction with everybody else in this church. Do you know that? And we lose sight of that, even when we talk about evangelism sometimes. Now, our Western mindset comes in. You know, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And we have an image, don't we, of an English fisherman sitting there with his rod <laughs> on the riverbank, fishing. And then about 200 yards down, so we don't get in each other's way, there's another fisherman. <laughs> yeah? Don't get your rod too close to my rod. I'm fishing. And then we come together, perhaps, the house group say, How's your fishing going? Oh, very well, thank you very much. I'll catch something one day. I know it'll happen one day. When Jesus said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers and men, what was the picture that came into the minds of the disciples? Was it people sitting on a riverbank with their own rod? No. It was a group of people together in a boat. One person putting on the sails, one person steering, one person mending the nets, one person casting the nets, one person cooking the dinner. It was a team. But our individualistic mindset, we can't even think about evangelism without, without realising what God wants is a community working together to touch the world around us. So, number four, we need to know that we've been gathered, sorry to mention this, to do something. You haven't been gathered you know, to pay Owen's salary. You haven't been gathered to fill this room up. You haven't been gathered to go to your groups in the week and have a nice time together. You've been gathered together. God had a plan for Beacon Church and it was to do something. Ephesians 2, verse verse 10. And once again, I've heard this preached individualistically. But it's not about individuals. It's about churches. It's about communities like you. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we, plural, not individual, are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is why this church exists, because there are things prepared in advance for you to do. You haven't got to come up with any fresh ideas, you've just got to come to God and say, what is it you want us to do? As Mary told the people at that wedding at Canaan, do whatever he tells you. Number five, you need to know that you've been gathered in order to be put on display. God wants something to be seen in Brixton, and it's you, and it's your church. Isn't it great that you're called Beacon Church? I was thinking about that this morning. That's the whole idea of the name, I guess. Something to be seen. Something people will say, wow, what's that? There's a beacon, I must go and investigate. And that's the reason for all the metaphors in the New Testament, over and over again, something to be seen. Jesus said, you will be like a city set on a hill. People will be plodding along in their lives, frustrated. The the, the darkness is closing in and suddenly they see a city on a hill, a place of refuge, a place where they know they will be made welcome, a place where they can spend the night. Ambassadors for Christ. Something to be seen, something to be heard. A light to the world, shining like stars in the universe. That's what Beacon church is supposed to be. A temple made up of lots of living stones. And of course the great big metaphor of the church in the New Testament, the Bride of Christ. Rachel and I can't drive past a wedding on a Sunday or a Saturday or a Friday, but we have to slow down because we might see the Bride. Yeah? That's what Jesus wants for Beacon Church, for people to slow down and say, stop, stop, I want to look at this. Look at the way these people share their lives. Look at the way they serve God. Number six, you need to know that you've been gathered together in covenant. There should be nothing casual about your relationships in this church. I'm a big believer in church membership where people actually make promises to one another. It varies from place to place. But there must be, wherever your style of membership or being church is, there must be a commitment made. I'm with these people. I stand with these people. An emphasis on persevering together. An emphasis on unity. Because unity is the only thing that God says. Where there is unity, there's a promise, isn't there? I will command the blessing. That doesn't come in any casual relationship. That comes out of commitment. Putting people first, Philippians chapter 2, is not a suggestion. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves, more important than yourselves. Number seven. Community, yes. Something on display, something beautiful, yes. Covenant relationship, yes. Number seven, you need to know that God's gathered you together as an army. I don't sing it much these days, but when I was a boy, there was a wonderful song, Onward Christian Soldiers. When's the last time you sang that here, Phil? Yeah. Not long. You have been conscripted. You're in the army now, okay? Some of the things that an army does is not just voluntary. There are things you need to do together. And as a church, as the people of God, we need to know, and many evangelicals don't seem to have cottoned on to this yet, We are on the advance, we are the ones on the attack. We're not just standing, holding our ground while the devil keeps battering away at us. The word of God says, for this purpose the Son of God was revealed to destroy all the works of the evil one. And we are his body. We're not here just to defend ourselves, we're on the attack, we're going in and we're destroying all the works of the evil one, right? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I find that verse very encouraging because we've got the word of God, we've got the sword of the spirit, we've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we've got the power and authority given to us by Jesus and what's the devil got? A gate. Well, (laughs) gives me a lot of confidence. Eight, we need to know that our joint calling is eternal. If God has joined you together, think about this, if this church is in God's purpose from the day he created the universe. Your relationships in this room are eternal. Think about that. You're going to know each other and be spending time together forever and ever. (laughs) Look around the room, folks. Actually, it's hard to look around the room. I'm going to be a bit naughty now. The layout of your chairs isn't community. When you're sitting there, you can't see anybody else but me, can you? No, but look... (laughs) <laughs> there's your brothers and sisters and you're going to spend eternity together so maybe you should face each other on Sunday as you worship Jesus and you won't find any two Christians in heaven hiding from each other because they had a row in 2018 do you know that? so you might as well work it out now we live we serve we work in this world but our citizenship is in heaven this church you are a people on the journey to something and one day you will stand there together and collectively you will hear a voice well done Beacon Church well done number nine you need to know that you have been called together and your calling is and always has been and always will be for the glory of God it's not about you it's about God And that's why the first priority of any church, of any people gathered together in the name of Jesus, the first priority is worship. Corporate worship is one of the reasons that you've been gathered together. Not so you can sing along to a CD in your car on your own, but you can come together and worship God as a family. Your voice is coming together, expressing your unity in the spirit. Corporate worship is the first reason you've been gathered together. Do you know that? I think that as I go around the churches, my own church included, the reason why so many people arrive late at meetings or come every other Sunday is because they haven't understood their first calling is to worship the Lord, corporately. We must understand the purposes of the church in terms of first is our ministry to God. Praise, worship, adoration. Secondly, our ministry to one another building the body, making disciples and our third calling is to make Christians under the power of the Spirit, evangelism. But our ministry to God always comes first. Do you understand that? This worship this morning was not the prelude to me standing up and talking. It's why we've been created. Why you've been drawn together. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12 we are told to live for the praise of his glory. R.C. Sproul says worship in the church is not merely a preparation for something else it is of itself fulfilling the major purpose of the church with reference to her Lord and a man called John Piper who's heard of John Piper his great book on mission is called Let the Nations Be Glad and the first statement in his book on mission is this mission exists because worship doesn't do you understand that? People are being saved and added to the church that they might join this throng of worshippers. And that's why as you read through the book of Revelation again and again and again, what do you see the saints doing? They are worshipping. And we must never forget, the first calling upon you as a church is to worship. So if you any way think you can arrive here 20 minutes into the worship, you've missed the whole thing. Finally, number 10, we're there. I forgot what time the meeting ends. It's 12 o'clock probably you're going to tell me, aren't you? No, no, one o'clock. Oh, that's great, fine. Don't worry. Number ten, so we're there on. Everyone who is saved and added to Beacon Church, everyone who's part of Beacon Church needs to know this: that God's great purpose is to cover the earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea. Have you ever wondered how that's going to happen? It's going to happen with local churches. In every community across the nations where his praise is rising up. In Brixton, across London, across the nations. God's purpose to have his glory on display is to have a group of transformed people, an alternative society displaying his glory in every community on earth. And that's why regions beyond is committed to planting as many churches as we can again and again and again this is my favorite quote about the local church you've probably heard it before but it doesn't any really harm to read it bill hybels courageous leadership and he says this there is nothing like the local church when it's working right its beauty is indescribable Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalised of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. And still to this day, the potential of every local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organisation on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. I believe, he says, the local church is the hope of the world. Do you believe that? That's why you're here. That's why you were saved. That's why you've been gathered. That's why you've been added. That's why you've been joined together. Because Beacon Church is the hope for Brixton. Nothing else out there can come close. And I believe that we're being joined together as a family of churches across the nations. And this is going to be at the core of our identity. We know what we're doing. We're building local churches. We're working together to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to release resources, and pair for one another. But at the heart of everything is the church. Because it's the church representing Jesus and his compassion and his love and preaching his gospel of salvation. That is the only hope for the world. And my prayer is this, that when people come amongst you, when people come amongst you as Beacon Church, they will find in this room a people who know who they are in Christ, who know that they've been forgiven and their sin will never come up again, who know that they're on the way to heaven, that nothing can stop that happening, but who will also know, not just their individual identity, but that they have an identity together as a people. That they are God's great intention, his one great purpose for a new humanity who will know that he is their God and they are his people. You're a people, not a collection of persons. Do you understand that? You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.